muted. Huh. I feel like I've got a little bit muted, a little bit of a hiccup, but it's okay. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't have a savvy, slick intro. Uh, it's House of Strauss. It's Industry Talk. It's Ryan Glass-Spiegel of the New York Post. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am also doing pretty good. I think it's an ideal night for us to discuss some topics because a lot of these topics they're they're odd none of them i feel like make for good articles or at least i rejected them in the process of considering them for an article and yet i have thoughts on them yet i would want to discuss them and i think it makes for an optimal uh night of this show so you, you know what's a little bit odd though ryan is i'm, I'm looking at the docket and and what i mentioned and there's Aaron Rodgers going on Rogan. There's this uh, BYU incident that seems to be falling apart after capturing the sports media news. But I'm getting a lot of a lot of heat on this whole league pass price drop. I, I, I wouldn't have thought, but people are curious about it. That's just that's the indicator I'm seeing. This got out there. it got a lot more social engagement than we've ever gotten on any tease for this show. It, yeah. it set a record exponentially. Do you think that has to do with our particular demo, or do you think that this is one of those topics that, hey, the customer, not many people are out there talking about the customer and uh, why the customer is getting a better deal or a worse deal, and so maybe we can fill that niche. I mean, let's start. There's also a great yeah. use of the Windhorse meme. Oh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great job by you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so NBA League Pass, uh, I think Jacob Feldman broke it of uh, Sportico that it is drastically reducing its price and bundling uh, its package with NBA TV. Now, I think we might go down the road of perhaps this reflects domestic popularity decline for the NBA. But actually, when I looked over this, my first reaction was, oh, my God, was this an overpriced service beforehand? So this just, to me, seems like perhaps a, a correction in the direction of sanity, I mean, uh, helpfully done by Feldman on Sportico, they show the annual prices for sports streaming services. Sunday NFL ticket, $293.96. It's actually uh, $400. It's not $300 because the $300 doesn't include Red Zone Channel. Well, Americans will pay it no matter what it is. But uh, NBA League Pass plus NBA TV, $229, really $230.00. I think that's just way more than the American it w- public. It wasn't really that. It, I mean, it was 150 without NBA TV, and NBA TV isn't that useful. Um, yeah. Well, so a lot of people wouldn't be paying for the NBA TV. But that made NBA TV an awkward auxiliary product. Um, the second I was no longer a professional NBA media member, I wasn't paying for NBA TV. Just why, why, would, I, why would I do that? That's just not something that... That makes a lot of sense to me. Because you don't um, bet on games. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I could become a degenerate. I could get I could get back into it. But yeah, NBA TV didn't make sense. NBA League Pass, wildly expensive. Not the type of thing I would pay for either, uh but for a job where I can write it off and it's part of my job. Now I have some friends where they're from Chicago and they want to watch the Bulls and maybe they do pay it, but I, that, no, that's no, if my you're, well, oh yeah, if you live out of market you and you want to watch your team, that's yeah. why you buy it. I mean, I think that what if you were to draw a pie chart of like who the customers are, it's probably like eighty five percent people who are 
um, Adam Markin and want to watch their team every game. And then like 15% who are either like a degenerate gambler or one of these like NBA league pass Twitter hashtag people. Yeah. And I don't think that's exactly the market the NBA had in mind when it started league pass so many years ago. Um, I think they, they hope to be more in demand, but it makes sense. I mean, look, products don't tend to go down in price because demand is rising unless it's a Walmart situation um, and you have such a scale advantage. So I think this tracks with a lot of what we've seen, uh, which is the drastic declines in uh, the league's uh, TV popularity, along with the RSN uh, declines. We talked about the RSN declines in baseball last week. But I think it's important to have that discussion again with the NBA, which is, um, so in 2012, cable was in 100 million homes. In 2022, cable is in 75 million homes. So you're like, okay, the RSNs lost a quarter of their customers. But it's actually more than that because um, Dish Network and YouTube TV and several other carriers don't have the um, Bally Sports RSNs or any of the RSNs. Um, Dish Network especially has just planted their flag in the ground and don't carry any of them. And, you know, they're probably, I don't know, something like 10 to 20% of the cable customers. So I think it's reasonable to say that the RSNs have lost 30 to 40% of their carriage over the last decade. And you think about how many, look, if you're a diehard sports fan, then you have the cable bundle and you've got the RSNs. Like if you're like a diehard Warriors fan living in the Bay Area or on and on and on. The the Warriors, by the way, better than twice any other team in local ratings. So truly, if you live in the Bay Area, you might have, let's say, um, what am I looking for? You might be in a bubble as far as how popular you think the NBA is on a local level, because you are in a truly unique situation. Yeah. But um, so like, you know, diehard fans still have the cable bundle between needing ESPN and needing the RSNs. Um, And you don't have dish. You've switched from dish if you need the RSNs, but um, you know, there's a lot of people who would follow teams but aren't necessarily like diehards and they don't need it like oxygen. And I think a lot of those fans and the leagues know this, the leagues hate the situation with Sinclair and the RSNs and they complain about it any chance they get. Um, But the problem is, is that like the economics of the subscription model with the RSNs, it's just, they pay the teams more than the teams would get if their games were more widely distributed. And so it's choking off, you know, think about if you're like a kid in a house that doesn't pay for cable, you know, you're just not going to become exposed to the team and get us into them. And so I think that this league pass thing is partly a response to that. Although I know that the local games are still blacked out on league pass but i think that what it's trying to do is just get more people into their tent 
Yeah, I, it's probably the smartest move, um, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing they have more info than we have. They have more data than we have. I, I do think it's yet another example of beyond the RSNs having their infrastructural disadvantages, uh, the NBA regular season just doesn't matter as much. Um, and that is part of this story that these games are not events uh they're struggling to make them feel like events ultimately they're going to get a big old national tv contract as we've discussed before because they're still a valuable property live sports is a valuable property nba is a very prestigious product but when you see for instance that the nfl their preseason game uh last weekend uh, did better than any NBA Christmas game. And when you say this, it's so dismissed. It gets dismissed by people in NBA media who never want to talk about this stuff. And they just go, well, it's the NFL. What can you do? So, yeah, that didn't used to happen. That did not used to happen. That wasn't something that happened that the NFL, uh, this preseason game at this per, you know point in the week would beat all of your Christmas games. It's because half as many people watch the Christmas games. That's just what it is. And the NFL didn't have that happen. So you've suffered a decline relative to the NFL. And if you don't want to care about that, you don't want to care about that. You see a lot of people in NBA media who talk that way um, that, well, I don't care. Of course, we all know the same people would really be Trump. Yeah, and the opposite Christmas kind of news. dominate if like, you know, yeah. a Christmas game beat an NFL game head to head. I don't think we'd hear the end of it from them. No, no, no. <laughs> so no. it's like they selectively don't care about ratings. No, they it's, it's the thing where you're, you're losing a video game and you toss the controller down or you start doing goofy things, running into the back of your own end zone and trying to make a display of how you, you don't care. They do. They do care. And nobody cares more than the person who says they don't. So I think it's part of that. It's part of that story. So I and I think a lot of the, the things the NBA uh, they're trying to do in response to what has happened, I'm not critical of those things. When the NBA runs away from the NFL on Thursday nights and gives up their Thursday nights uh, as Turner has done, I go, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, smart. That's yeah. Don't don't keep trying to dunk on Rudy Gobert. Uh, <laughs> you, you go go somewhere else for your points. That's that's a good. It's a good admission of what's happening, um, but it, it's just part of a broader trend where, despite a lack of media coverage of how it's gone, the league is in a much different place than in the salad days of 2015 to 2017, where people were writing articles about how it was going to overtake the National Football League. We've, we've discussed a lot of the issues ad, ad nauseum with the NBA, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but one thing I don't think we've talked about yet. So, you know, when you watch these like mid nineties NBA clips and they basically have like Marv Albert narrating a movie trailer, building like the drama of a little shout out to my podcast over here. I might've discussed this with one Bob Costas, but continue. I, I I apologize. I missed that, but like it was it's okay. um, it was bad. It's bad audio quality, if I'm honest. But yeah, no, the um, it, it I I feel bad. I should have listened to it, but no. it's my, my life has been hectic this week. It's um, okay. I'm not. I'm not offended. I'm just. I just think Anthony Mays, my producer, did this miraculous job to even get a get audio out there, considering that it was a very shoddy. Uh, Zoom connection and Bob 
Bob, knowing that he's Bob Costas, did not have time to make any sort of, uh, hey, I appreciate the time from him. I'm not criticizing, but he did not give a fuck what I was saying. Hey, could you do your own recordings? Like, no, nah, we got to go now. We got to go now. <laughs> so it was it was quite choppy and you know hopefully we'll have bob back and have a wider ranging conversation but i i brought it up to him what, what what happened to these monologues that would set the stage and get the viewer interested it only takes a couple minutes and he and was the, also yeah, flabbergasted and, co- and the pregame coverage is just such like babbling nonsense you know yeah. it, um like, it's just people, like, taking, like, okay, my take, 30 seconds, your take, 30 seconds. They're not even, like, conversations. And I I don't know, like, what, why they, they could even just make them digitally and they don't. There's no, um, there's no sense of setting an interesting narrative for the games and, like, the games having really high stakes and being meaningful and i don't like i don't know why they went away from that for what they do now yeah it's costa talks about it and uh i i think it takes some effort it takes some artistry but it's not that wwe does them like it's not you know oh nfl does oh my god the nfl had such a beautiful one in the lead up to the playoff game between the Cowboys and the Niners, where they showed all these historic clips of those teams playing one another over the years, leading to that moment. And they ended because John Madden had just died that with John Madden saying something right as the clip closed and you were, you were pumped up for that game. And I, that's something we're getting derailed a little bit because I think that's less an NBA issue and more an issue uh, to do with its its broadcaster. Not exactly, it, this, despite maybe because of its monopoly on sports rights, not being the most artful of uh, broadcasters. So, but that's that's a whole other thing. It's yeah, I think that they're in a tough spot. Some of they're in a tough spot, and they're not in a tough spot. They're not in a tough spot because they're going to get I, well. Uh, I think drowned the NBA in money is regardless. in a better position than the MLB to. Yeah. Um, free themselves of this RSN issue because the RSNs are not as big a piece of their team's pie as it is in the MLB from a revenue perspective. And so I think like, I wouldn't be stunned if in like 10 years, there are a bunch of NBA teams that are on their like local broadcast affiliates. Like, you know, the local Mm. ABC station has the Warriors and that's going to solve that issue for them. Yeah. Um, I could, I think, yeah, that's a great point that the NBA as a national product is superior to the MLB. Um, And there are still some big games, even if it's trending the wrong way, I think the MLB, uh, perhaps they could have avoided it. Perhaps it's just the nature of their game doesn't fit 2022 as well. Uh, but the NBA, as much as we can criticize them, I think has done a better job overall uh, than Major League Baseball has. Okay. I don't know enter? if that's true, but um, what, what, oh, you, you want to move on. Oh, well, you know, hey, if you if you can falsify it, I want to hear it. I'm curious. I, I mean, baseball on a regional basis – like what the teams that have both MLB and NBA teams 
in like something like 80% of those markets, the MLB per game is does better than NBA per game. And then there's twice as many games and their attendance is much larger. Although, you know, people push back and say NBA tickets, especially on the 100 level costs much more. And that's fair. But, um, I don't know. I'm a big, 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 big baseball watcher. And mm. none of my tweets about the Brewers get any engagement. I understand that. But, mm. um, you know, I... Whatever I happened lot- to Yelich? Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he might be hot again. They... Um, oh. it, he, I don't know what happened. But the... Um, I, it, it's, you know, the, the thing about baseball is... It's a really good – it's a much better second screen sport than the NBA is. Um, yeah. You can miss a lot more The, the podcast of sports, I call it. It's a life screensaver, baseball is, but yes. But, like, I, th- you know, I'm at a point now where my phone is, like, very often the primary screen and then the TV is in mm-hmm. the background, and I think baseball is really well suited for that. Yeah, I was enjoying baseball when the Oakland A's were uh, a B – of a product, maybe B plus. Um, yeah, they, and... they need to fix their tanking because like half the teams oh. in MLB at a time are tanking. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they've got Theo Epstein in there. Like basically it's like hiring the blackjack cheat to the casino to help mm. find other cheaters. And <laughs> so some of this stuff is going to be ironed out. We'll have to see what he does. But um, yeah, I, un- I, I understand how you could have it, fallen out of like with baseball. It, but it's been not a bad baseball season, uh, primarily because the New York teams are, are intriguing. And the Mets and the Yankees have their Plus own. Plus the Dodgers, which are always intriguing. Yes, plus the Dodgers and the Angels are unfortunately the Angels um, uh, squandering the uh, the megawatt talents. Ba- Baseball's done so much, gotten so much luckier than MLB with the big markets. Wait, Maybe the, NBA than NBA. You mean what's yeah that than NBA? And you know yeah. what it is is that they let the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets and to some extent the Cubs and the Red Sox spend more than everybody so that they're always good. Um, The NBA tried to basically enforce socialism and (laughs) it's made it so that like the, the Knicks can't, you know, dig their way out of mistakes. Yeah. And they're really trying to dig their way into more mistakes, but that's a whole other topic. Um, Yeah. Um, Let's switch to the culture war, which, which culture war, which culture Culture war? war. Do you, do you go BYU? Do you go Rogan Rogers? Let, let's go BYU. I think Rogan Rogers. We we've done that exact conversation probably twelve times, but yeah. we could do it again. Uh, I, I checked my swing on writing about it, partially because even if I think it, the issue is interesting. I do think a lot of people don't. I I I write what I want to write, but there is some concession to the customer. And I do think a lot of people just, they don't want to think about I don't about think that's going to drive subs for you. They don't want to think about COVID. They don't, they just don't want to think about it. They don't want to read about it. They would like to live apart from it. Um, the BYU situation, I mean, this is a difficult expository, Ryan. Do you yeah, you, 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 you take this one. Oh, God. How do I even? Okay. I, I wish I had an article up. Uh, there was... Uh, a, a Duke, um, it was volleyball, yes, volleyball yeah, game. Volleyball. Duke at BYU. Uh, there was a young woman on Duke. She is black. Uh, she 
said that there was somebody chanting uh, was the N-word or yelling the N-word at her. And um, that uh, it, it was, I mean, there are so many aspects that it's a little bit garbled to whatever happened. Because part of what also happened was I think this reached a certain Twitter salience because her godmother, um, where she's from, was tweeting about it. And that's how it started to catch fire. But it, it, it caught fire. And I think without much skepticism, despite how often stuff like this happens where something spreads and it's a rumor and it falls apart and you saw it all over the place. You saw it at Washington Post. I like Candace Buckner uh, a lot, but uh, writing it up and uh, ESPN all over the place. There was an outside the line segment where they interviewed the girl about it. The only problem is that it, it appears like it just it didn't happen. Um, and to be fair to some of the people who leapt in with both feet criticizing BYU for what happened, they did a weird thing where they said they banned, banned the person, fan and uh, they, they, they banned the fan who did it. And when you read their statement um, a couple days later, um, there are a lot of weasel words where you can almost tell looking back on it, that they didn't have the goods and that it didn't happen, but they really tailored it to almost insinuate that it did. So in a way I have some sympathy for people who fell for it in media because BYU was sort of, I don't know why, because they felt some sort of pressure. They kind of were making a weird concession towards the idea that something happened. And um, you, you see it blow up, blow up in the media. And I think one of the big questions I, I have on it is, is there going to be any acknowledgement? Because there was a, a, a report today in, in, a, in a college paper, uh, the Star Tribune locally uh, did a report that it appears not to have happened. They have nothing but video and I think, you know, footage and a lot of info from this just packed there are a lot of people at the game for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know what goes know, it is packed and nobody else heard it or recorded it. Or, yeah. It's uh, the type of thing. If somebody's no, screaming like, that over and over again, it, you're going to find evidence of such a thing happening. They've basically admitted it didn't happen. And that's after just big national media. Uh, Stephen A, even today, I believe, was going in on BYU and kind of um, – and hey, anything he does is going to entertain me at some level uh, because he just does it so well. But he was he was really insulting them and saying, you're BYU. Let's say you're you know, you ain't the most attractive place for folks to come. And, uh, you know, just kind of mocking them for for this 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 story that's fake. He, and it didn't happen. And, it, and, and I think the question I might have on it is. I, are we at the point where there's just not even going to be an acknowledgement? And yes, you know, no, they're, they're not going to. No one, no one who got up in arms over it when it appeared that it happened is going to acknowledge that. Um, no one will. No one. Definitely no one. That's crazy. I mean, I think it's going to go that way, but that's crazy. I mean, they really covered this like a national story. Um, without any hint of skepticism. And it's a, I, I expect the same thing. So it's not crazy. It's predictable. But there's something crazy about you go from just impugning this whole institution and acting like this is the biggest 
sports story in America. And then the next day, you're just going to pretend like it never happened. Um, well, I, I you, you, you know, you've talked about before how these people just give um, Clay and Whitlock like an open yeah. layup lane on um, in, like on, on stories like this. And, you know, Whitlock like is saying, you know, Stephen A. and LeBron are hammering on this, but they don't mention the like football coach who got shot in an altercation with like Aqib Tlaib and his brother, you know, and they don't, they don't, they don't ever bring it up. It's about finding pro-narrative anecdotes, right? That's what everybody is looking for, regardless of what side that you're on. You're looking for the anecdote that demonstrates your explanation of what's wrong with the world. But there's something very unfortunate about kind of, mainstream the mainstream of the media just being so committed to narrative um to this degree and unable to even correct their mistakes um and in this case i don't think they're going there's going to be much pressure uh, you, know, for them you might too. see outside the lines correct it but you're not going to see any pundit who went very strongly like in an opinion space about this ever talk about it again or they might just continue to talk about it as if it definitely happened when if it did happen there has not been evidence of it yet yeah well i mean okay this is a whole other topic that hey this is what people come for they're not going to get this take anywhere else I'm convinced. We, I, I'm we're not. There, there's no one else having this talk. This <laughs> well, this aspect of the talk right here, I think, and I did not anticipate when I went into this this show we're doing that I would become the Mormon defender. I, I know very little about the Mormon Church or about Mormon culture. I but, feel I feel like we dump on them, and we feel like we're allowed to in a way that is unusual. And they have this odd status of being simultaneously the out group and the perceived in group that makes people feel emboldened like they can do this and they can be just the, the amount of contempt. So there, I have you, to say, you I love you think that the Mormons are like the modern day Jews. I thought you might say, yeah, that's the take tonight. The Mormons are the new Jews. Everybody <laughs> run and aggregate that. <laughs> The Mormons, the Mormons are the new Jews, but there is something to people, I think, can indulge some of their bigotry without admitting to it because they can, you know, assail them and they can talk about how, oh, they're white and they're racist and everything else. And there's an element of they aren't like the right as the stuff white people like blog would say the right kind of white person, you know, an intellectual uh, person uh, who's cosmopolitan. That's their, 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 you know, religious. They are they fluid, both yeah, they are. Well, this, this, that's your Mormons of the new Jews theory that uh, <laughs> that's, that's part they're, of they're that. fluent. They've got like strong family bonds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yes. So, uh, there's there's a lot going on there to that particular analogy, but I, I see it in the way that the Utah fans are discussed, and I'm sure that they're intense, and I'm sure a lot of players don't like what's said in the NBA. But I just think people seem to have this freedom of dumping on 
people in Utah and BYU in a way they might check themselves. Well, they do it with Boston else. too. We saw LeBron, who is a part owner of the Boston Red Sox, call the Celtics fans racist like very recently. And you know, Perkins came in and is like, "Look, I'm trying to falsify they... my defense of the Mormon people. I'm trying to become the most popular guy in Utah right now, right? You're ruining it. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe the Boston." crowd has some more <laughs> uh, common link there is there is the there there is the connection there i i just think that there's something about byu i i don't think Stephen a again we like Stephen a here but he's wrong for what he was doing and i don't think he'd be talking that way about a different kind of school i just don't and i don't think it's right and i think that it, it played into the lack of skepticism for a story people should have been skeptical of and you keep expecting the skepticism to take hold because we've had uh, the Jesse Smollett incident and these other incidents that fall apart, but there's never really a punishment for being wrong on this stuff. Unless I think you go, uh, this is another outgroup situation, the Covington kids, where if you go after one kid specifically, you can get sued. But you know, if, if it's not a situation where you're doing that, I just think there there hasn't really been enough reason for people to course correct, and that's why it keeps happening. Yeah, there, because um, we're in these like tribes, and you kind of see it with like the Washington Post. That, that by the way, that there's like some turbulence coming there. If like their poor finances are leaking into the New York yeah. Times, they're like sworn enemy. Um, that, that's a shot with like a very painful chaser coming. Well, well they're but, a very like, bad, they're a very bad paper. So they deserve that. Uh, I'm sorry to say, I would just, New York times is about a hundred times better than the Washington post, but you were saying, yeah, but like, take... <laughs> they, they, they've, they've both of them have cordoned themselves off where I don't think half the population would ever like dream of becoming a subscriber. Now you don't need half. They they need, you know, one sixty fifth of the population is the goal at the Washington Post. But yeah. uh that you know, it's just there we the there are these tribes and the tribes protect their own. And so you know, I've said this analogy before, but like Slim Charles, if it's a lie, then they fight <laughs> on that lie. They just, yeah. there's, um, the Democrats think the Republicans are so bad that they can justify any smearing of them and vice versa. And it just, you know, we, these aren't, it, it we're, it's very polarized and, the media doesn't reflect, you know, a good portion of the population who doesn't want to be, you know, fervently loyal to either of these tribes. By the way, I should just note something about the story that I'm a little bit blurry on uh, before we return to the meta conversations. There was something about how the there was somebody who they were keeping an eye on the fan who was banned there was reporting to indicate that uh, he might have a, a disability of some kind, perhaps cognitively. I, I don't want to just throw too much rumor out there. It's just something I saw in the reporting, and I feel like people are going to note that or wonder why we didn't mention it. So I'm just we, throwing that uh, yeah, out Yeah, I got an email about that from somebody who said he's like a listener of ours. I just, 
I hadn't looked into it because it's just yes. like there, you know, there's a, a certain amount of like hours in the day and I have to spend a lot of them writing about like wives and girlfriends and mm-hmm. it's just um, to chase something down. I really have to be like, sure, I'm going to like have a good chance at getting it. Well, yeah, I felt I spent a lot of uh, not a lot, but I spent about an hour reading about this story. And this is one of the reasons why things don't get corrected is that uh, it takes a rare individual to actually, as some of my friends have done on Substack, really take apart one of these uh, one of these hoaxes that disintegrates. It's it's difficult. I felt like woozy from, okay, I've got the uh, initial reporting that's apparently not true. And I've got the corrective reporting. Now, do I believe the correction? Let me, <laughs> it's just, you, you get, uh, you, you get a little bit. Um... Trying to get to the bottom of the truth of any story right now, legitimately is a full-time job. And sometimes I think you just have to use some amount of intuition. And, um, you know, as, as, Will Kane tweeted out, um, I don't know what happened, but what are the odds that a BYU student racially abused Duke volleyball players through several sets, including using the N-word, and no student heard it, and a cop posted nearby to monitor didn't hear it, and there's no video or audio evidence that exists. Um, the idea that there's no skepticism here, I think, Ryan, has something to do with the way people feel like they conceptualize their outgroup and just believe the worst of them. And it, it gets, it's almost this just gothic yeah, it, it, imagery if you're, of horribleness. If you're like a virulent racist, can you think of like anything that would be dumber than to like shout racial slurs in the middle of like a crowded college athletic contest? Well, but I think this is again how people conceptualize the outgroup where whether it was the Covington Catholic situation where they were abusive towards Native Americans because you're looking at some Kentucky Catholic school kids wearing MAGA hats. And for people who live in my in my region, you know, they don't know people like this and they're predisposed to dislike people like this. And they don't even have a sense of the degree to which these people are foreign from their perspective or the degree to which these people are bad from their perspective. So they can believe anything, right? They can believe anything. I mean, they're not, if you're somebody who hasn't been to Utah or hasn't been to BYU, um, maybe you can let your imagination really get away, uh, get away from you. And you believe that, Hey, this is what the culture is like there. No, no, that's not what it is like in Utah. Like there might be insensitivities. Uh, The church did not, except black people until the 1970s. So there's something there, right? But right. there's no sense of what the actual degree of it is. And you you just see such credulousness um, from people, especially in cities, who view uh, people in other parts of the country like they yeah, are. As, co- as just, country bumpkins. Yeah, like completely people who just absolutely depraved individuals. And... It's unfortunate and it's silly and you just keep seeing it. You just keep seeing it happen again and again because, frankly, there's a demand for it. And I, I people think people want to believe it. Like, people will like point at us and say, oh, well, you guys are always railing on the left. Look at all like the other things, like all these bad things Trump people do. But what I would say is that like the left brands itself 
as this like bastion of tolerance, but they just they um are so tolerant that they are just like massively intolerant of alleged intolerance, and it drives this like zealotry that we've been seeing this week. Yeah, you if you think you're the it's the Nietzsche uh uh, beware when you're chasing monsters that you don't become one. Um, or, you know, I guess, God, so many people on the left love the Karl Popper rule on uh, how you can't tolerate intolerance and the whole paradox of that. But um, I, I do think there is this, yeah, that people can really become depraved when they think they're they're fighting depravity. And you see a lot of it, and it doesn't help that there's this self-reinforcing mechanism um, in media that is looking for one particular narrative and one particular explanation of what's going on in the world, a world that's you know, like, pretty complicated. Uh, like, the it, it, ESPN, if it's supposed to be, like, a journalistically credible organization, and, you know, we can debate point by point how staunchly they've stuck to that over since whenever they canceled the NFL concussion documentary. Mm. But, you know, you'd think that there would be some people there who become informed on this story, were informed on everything that ran on their airwaves and pound their fist on the table and say, if we're going to be a credible news organization, we have to acknowledge when we get things wrong. We can't, look, not everybody's going to get everything right all the time. The amount of hours that ESPN is on the air between TV and then just like digitally, it's nonstop. But the like hallmark of any legitimate news organization is like raising your hand and saying, my bad, when you messed up. And they're messing up because they don't have an ability to do the on the one hand, on the other hand. Um, and I think that's informing a lot of why the mistakes are made. And I will do a segue. I, I do think that it I listened to the full Rogan Rogers uh, wow. podcast, the full thing. Well, That's because you have looking... one kid, not two. If you had two <laughs> kids, there's zero chance. Well, I was, you know, and that is going to change quite soon, and, and maybe I will not have chances uh, in the future. But it was also because Congrats. I like to listen to the whole thing. Breaking Thank you. news here on House of Stress. <laughs> it was broken in my anniversary post, but you know, be that as it may. Um, I wanted to listen to the full thing because that's what I did when he went on McAfee. And because I was reading write-ups of what he said on McAfee that I didn't think were true to the overall conversation, that there would be a snippet and it would be aggregated. So I wanted to listen for myself. And so I listened to the whole, I mean, was it three hours? It was a lot. It was a commitment. And I, and I decided not to write it, as happens. I, I, I check my swing a lot. Um, I sometimes write, you know, 1,400 words and I just scrap it. And this was one of those times. But um, it was an interesting conversation in that, A, Rogan and Rogers were doing a victory lap about the vaccine <laughs> stuff. And that that tonally was interesting, that they felt that they had been validated by history and that more and more people were coming to their side on it. And they were looking back to 2021 when they were public enemies number one and two. And 
that was interesting to me because it, it's like if you do a victory lap and nobody talks about it, is a is it a victory lap? Because unlike in 2021, when Rogers mentioned Rogan and was doing the Pat McAfee podcast, I don't think there was intense media coverage of when Rogers actually goes on Rogan. It did get aggregated to a degree, but there wasn't too much coverage of it. And then um, number two, the interesting thing was the way they talk about politics is just a way that you do not see in, again, prestige media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, where there were snippets of that podcast you would listen to and sight unseen, you would think they're Republican. And then there were snippets where you'd go, these guys are Democrat. And that's just something I think there's a hunger for that. And you just don't see that you don't see that elsewhere where at one point they're talking about all the damage done by, by the mandates and how are people going to, uh, what are they going to do? And, and Rogan says, vote Republican, you know, that's a, they probably should do about the business owners. And, uh, so they're talking, they're, they're basically talking about how people should vote Republican, but then another part of the podcast, they're talking again, this sounds more Republican where they just have unbridled disrespect and contempt for Biden. But then later, they've just got unbridled, limitless, gushing praise for Obama. <laughs> they just love Obama. And they're talking that up for a while. So it, it's just very orthogonal to whatever image is presented of these guys and what they're all about. And, and it's then, also like I think Obama came around at a time in their life and a time in the world that was like different. I don't know yeah. that they would be so pro Obama if he was the same president right now. It's a, impossible yeah, I, to run that double blind experiment. Yes, I and I have no idea. And these hey, everybody's got political opinions. We're not looking to Rogers and Rogan to inform ours, but it's just interesting. <laughs> perhaps because they represent a cohort and have, have resonance with a cohort. And then finally, uh, the last aspect I found interesting, and maybe you're, you're seeing why I didn't write about this, because all these thoughts are a little bit disparate and hard to tie into an overall article. Um, the response, I think, indicates in a way that the victory lap is perhaps warranted. And I'm going to read something from Mike Florio uh, in his write-up of the – because he did – he did aggregate it. And the thing he fixated on, the thing I saw most fixated on was Rogers describing why he lied to the media and in a way that's a little shit eating. And I do think he is, you know, trying to get away with something and not just owning it completely. But they were fixating on that. And Florio, in the end, talking about it. And Florio, for those who don't know, was just crushing the athletes um, who were unvaccinated uh, during the time and saying just all kinds of horrible things about them. And he writes this, were the rules stupid? A good argument can be made that they were, but the NFL has plenty of stupid rules that players must follow, whether in the official rule book or in various policies that apply to substance abuse, PEDs and or personal conduct. Stupid or not, the rules need to be followed. He was not saying the rules were stupid in 2021. Right. He was not even giving an inch to the idea that they were stupid in 2021. I think that is quite a concession. And I do think indicates that they're doing the victory lap for a reason. I'll stop monologuing. I've been talking at you a while, Ryan. But uh, yes, those are my thoughts on the podcast. Um, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to play very well this year. I know that's like a very bold thing to say about the guy who won two straight MVPs and had three straight, like 13 win seasons, but um, he's going to play. The bolder thing would be to say he's going to play well in the playoffs, but you were saying Packer (laughs) fan, Ryan, the, um, I, I hope he plays well in the playoffs. I'm not as confident in that. Uh, I've been a little bit scarred, but it's but mostly by your stupid 49ers. Who My 49ers. Four times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I, um, I do watch the Niner game. There. It's weird. I'm not a fan, but I do watch the games. It's what everybody in my neighborhood watches. So when I'm living my... Uh, trying to commune with the neighborhood life. I'll walk down the street and watch in my neighbor's garage. But yes, you were saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm of, I, I think we were actually of the opinion that these vaccine mandates were dumb and bad very early, like well before most of the consensus came to that, but we aren't taking victory laps because We are humble and objective. No, because this topic sucks. Life. It's the goddamn Israel-Palestine of illness. I mean, that's the main reason we aren't taking victory laps. I mean, who wants to go down this? They want. They had nothing but time. Rogan and Rogers want to revisit this from every angle. And I, I look well, at like, it. As, I get yeah. it, too, because I had to get a haircut in a pinch for a TV spot that wound up being, like, 90 seconds long. And the... Um, like the first place, like my barber was on vacation. And then the second, the first place I tried to go is like $45. And they're like, you got to wear a mask the whole time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pass. Like, yeah. you know, so you've still got like some remnants of well, that. that you know? Well, that's another weird thing too, where I think people who live in a place like Texas, as Rogan does, I'm not saying Rogan is like this. They don't know that the residue of this is still, is still quite apparent in much of the country. Uh, in certain cities where, um, hey, you know, I, I can go plenty of places. I do go plenty of places where it looks like 2020, um, where it looks like late, you know, late 2020 in terms of people's masking habits and, and everything else. And so it's I fading. People wearing masks, walking down the street, outside, like uncrowded streets. Like it's, what's it's it going to take for those people? I don't know. I don't get it. I hate wearing a mask so much. I always hated it. And I almost feel like maybe genetically my face gets itchier than the average face. Yeah. Between itchiness and like my asthma making it like hard to breathe. It was just, I I hated it the whole time. And the fact that it like wound up not being that useful was just like... (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of just an atomizing, dehumanizing thing to do to walk through society faceless. But hey, some people like it. And I I mean, hey, some people some people have an attachment to it. And if I'm trying to be sympathetic, I think it's hard for people to be eased out of something they were terrified into. That if what got you into a habit was very intense emotion, life or death kind of feeling uh, it's not so easy to just be slowly talked out of it. But the reason why I don't love going into the whole thing in the depth that the, that Rogan and Rogers do is that, A, I, I just have fewer opinions on it, right? Where they've got opinions on the vaccine. They talk about vaccine injuries. I don't have any idea about the risks or lack thereof of the vaccine. I, I took the vax. 
you know, I, you know, things have been fine so far, knock on wood. I, but it's like, I, I don't have any sense of that stuff. And so I'm not dismissive of it, but I'm also not accepting of it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people are at with this issue where there's still so much of it that feels quite abstract and difficult to really know. And what's worst is that you can't trust the media on it. And that part sucks that th- there's nobody. Or, the, like the, or like the NIH or the CDC. Yeah. Like someone sent me a NIH study when I was like talking about, I don't know. I don't remember what I said about yeah. why mandates were dumb or why people shouldn't need to take them or was something, but I said something about it. And um, like a Northwestern professor who I've spoken to his class once was a number of years ago, but he responded with an NIH study saying that the, um, the, the vaccinated people got it less than the unvaccinated people. And I was just like, I don't believe what they say. Yeah. But- well, that's the difficult thing where I don't trust what the powers that be say but that doesn't mean they're wrong. <laughs> they right. could be right. <laughs> they might be right, but it's like, yeah, I don't believe them. So <laughs> it's, it's, there's no, um, it, it gets back to like figuring out the truth is like very difficult now. And yeah, I've given, I've folded on like the vaccines. I think that we, I think the, the physicals won though, because the like, physicals, the physicals beat the virtuals. That's your take. Yeah. Because we don't have those. For, for those who don't know, we're talking about like the people who drive trucks for a living and do stuff with their hands versus Plumbers, us, like us. welders, firefighters, even pilots. Yeah. Versus, versus those of us in the laptop class. Uh, the, the physicals versus the virtuals, the dichotomy that comes up on this podcast for those who don't know, but you were saying, yeah. And so what it turned out was that that's what we learned more than anything is like, you know, the world falls apart. If even like 10 or 15% of the physicals withdraw from the world. And yeah, you know, we talked about it with like the Canadian trucker strike but there's no gratitude for them. There's no gratitude in our society right now for these people, which is amazing to me. I have immense gratitude. I drive by a reservoir all the time when I get home and I look at that and I go, thank God for the people doing whatever the fuck is happening there. I, I need my potable water. I don't know what they're doing. Thank God for what they're doing right there. I feel as though there's just such little emphasis placed on praising the people who do the things that are necessary to keep us out of the Middle Ages. There's just not much cultural admission that they're kind of important. Yeah, I mean, they really spent like the manufacturers spent like 40 years just having their jobs shipped overseas all of a sudden we realize, hey, maybe we should be building stuff. Like maybe like we should have plants that make masks if there's ever a epidemic, you know? And it just we we totally lost sight of the fact, you know, it's another wire quote. We used to make shit in this country, build shit. Now we just have our hand in the next guy's pocket. Like, the- <laughs> or if you're David Simon tweet. Although I heard uh, the, uh, was it we own the city? I, I heard some good things, but you were saying. 
Yeah, I mean, that was Frank Sabatka from the underrated season two. And Uh, underrated character, underrated. What a hipster take. It's just, uh, you know, we're going to get... We're, we're going to get accused of some things when we're, we're uh, defending BYU and saying season two of The Wire was good. But you were saying, Ryan. Uh, the, yeah, the, <laughs> defector tomorrow. Ryan Glaspiegel <laughs> compares Mormons to Jews and likes <laughs> The Wire. Likes the white season of The Wire. Talks <laughs> up the white, the white season of The Wire. They're all pretty good seasons, except for season five. But yeah, you were saying. The, um, but... You know, the the manufacturers and the truckers and electricians and home builders and pilots and everybody who actually, like, has to leave the house for work, like, if 10% of them withdraw, the world stops. Like, we saw it. Oh, we, we like that's why we don't have these mandates anymore. It's not because they were silly and nonsensical. It's mm. because the ten percent of the physicals who just put their foot down and said, "Fine, I'll lose my job. Fire me." It like yeah. broke the country to a halt, and we still haven't totally pulled out of it. And I don't think we've admitted that they even have that power. It almost seems like there's a resentment that they do. And again, I don't even know the extent to which they did. I, this goes back to how you can't trust things where um, people would say, hey, we're having all these plane delay. Uh, we're having all these uh, flight delays because the pilots don't they don't want to do the vax. And then other people in the media would say, no, it has nothing to do with it. There's a weather weather pattern. And I go, Fuck, I don't I don't know what's happening. I don't I don't know. What yeah, I'm not an air traffic in. controller. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Yu Yang. Okay, let's let's call him to the podium. I, I know he's probably got a lot of thoughts on this ritual discussion. Yu Yang, Yu Yang, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How you, how you doing, guys? Doing Hi. well. How you doing? You know, I, I'm uh, good, good. Uh, you know, um, you're talking about like the physical versus virtual. I, I, I never heard that before, uh, Ethan, and I, I think it's so brilliant, right? Um, I didn't come up with it to be to be clear. There was this um, this it was viral substack sub that yeah. Ethan sent uh, me about eight months. ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, search it, physicals yeah. versus virtuals and read that okay. piece. Yeah, it's I a will, very clarifying dichotomy, though. It's a useful dichotomy. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, just some really real quick. Uh, I don't know if you heard this news because it's kind of local to Vancouver, but uh, last Sunday, all like the kind of the airport security people. They went on this kind of like unauthorized kind of a strike. Basically, they were complaining about how um, uh, because like the, their company took away like the incentive, incentive for like sick days. So they used to have like incentive where if you had no sick days, you get like a bonus. Right. So they took that away. And because like the employers are so pissed, many of them just kind of went on a, like, a, like a sick day strike. And then like the lineup mm. was so long at the Vancouver airport, like flights were delayed. Like that's how bad it was. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what you're talking about, the physical world. Like, we, we take that for granted that, like, people go up to the airport yeah. and do that job. But it's not just sitting at the keyboard, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, actually, well, yeah. Yeah. No, no, continue, continue. Oh, uh, actually, yeah. I, I want to kind of just, like always, kind of switch to change a little bit of topic, you know, because you guys are going really well. But I wanted to ask something for you and oh, actually more for Ryan, but you too, Ethan, because I know you guys are, you know, both have great mm-hmm. takes. Um, you know, like a couple, I think Thanks. yesterday or two days. Oh, of course. You, you're, you both have amazing takes always. Um, I great think, takes when we are. Yeah. 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 
uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, Netflix came out with like the, the Donahue uh, documentary. Like, did you guys watch that? Or mm. have you, have you, no, have you... no. And I, you know, somebody was tweeting at us. They were giving us, I like whoever is doing this, this volunteer docket that they're tweeting at us. And we didn't totally use it. But if somebody wants to produce the show for us, by all means, it makes things easier. But but he mentioned it. Uh, Rich Big Doinks mentioned, uh, mentioned the Donaghy Netflix doc. And yeah, I just didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know. We've, that story's been adjudicated. Like, yeah. we don't need any, we don't need to hear from him again because he's <laughs> like an unapologetic con man. And he probably got paid to participate in this oh, documentary, which made the whole enterprise just feel gross to me. So I hate yep. giving him attention. Yeah, oh, I true. would say that there is a lot interesting that has not been completely. Uh, I, I want to know why he was like on a walkie-talkie with Scott Foster. Like exactly. they had like millions exactly. of calls back and forth together, and it, it, I don't know what anybody could say to like convince me that he wasn't in some ways a co-conspirator. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, Donna, he knows, but he, nothing he says can be believed. David Stern knew, and he's dead. And so I don't know how we're ever going to get the whole truth out of that um, right. scenario. They, they said it, it was successfully buried. It went to the grave with Stern. Oh yeah. No, Stern was brilliant at that kind of doing that kind of stuff. But one of the things I found interesting about the Donnie situation, and I agree with you, this guy's like a scumbag, you know, you, you can't believe anything he says. But one of the interesting is that like, he was accused of like, when he, when he kind of like, you know, rigged the games, to, you know, whether it's like over-unders or whatever he did to try to get the point spread, you know, to, to, to line with bet. One of the things he was known for was calling the game, like, very correctly. Uh, especially, yeah. like, the... Especially like he got defense. great... He had great referee yeah. grades. He right. must have been, like, the most talented referee of <laughs> basketball at all time to be mm. able to pull this off. Yeah. Right, but... The, 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 well, the, it just show... shows that a lot of... Just a lot of it is your discretion that on right. a typical play... There's just a lot that you can call, and it's you hear with football that you can call holding on every play if you want to. I don't know if that's true, but you can certainly do a lot of that when it comes to fouls and contact. Right. And when there's so much subjectivity involved, um, I yeah, it's pretty easy to manipulate. And I think the aftermath is that the NBA has, has sort of been objectivity in themselves to death a little bit and doing the two minute reports and doing the replay reviews yeah. and doing these things that I think undermine uh, the entertainment value of their game. But I think that it's born out of how Donahue was able to do this. Right. It, it, I think that's to me, like as a fan, it's kind of like why I'm so frustrated as an NBA fan. Um, like the thing about watching NBA is that like frustrated by the calls like i know i'm gonna get frustrated and it's just like watching two hours of like players and coaches arguing the rest and i don't blame the rest yeah. because it's so subjective like there's no like black and white whereas like baseball which i like more than the nba is like except for the strike zone which they're going to fix soon with the automated strike zone like every call is black and white like they even have these kind of like slow down like slow motion where they yeah. show like the guy hitting the bag like a split second before the ball goes in the glove like that's how precise baseball is basketball was like those calls you can't make it that precise it's always just like a judgment call and it's like really frustrating to watch yeah yeah no it's it's frustrating to watch but it's impossible to really uh 
to make it objective and you don't want to make perfect the enemy of the good. I think replay True. review has been a bad oh, idea, definitely. but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if we've got a take. We didn't I see Don Heath. Well, here's my take on replay review. There should be a 24 second shot clock on it. And <laughs> if you can't tell like for sure in that time, then the call stands. Right, right. Mm. But I guess I agree with you. That will be a huge improvement. So they should do that. But even if they did that, it, it's still subjective. Like no matter how you slice it, it's just, it's just, and I, that's what Ethan said, right? You can't make it perfect. And there's just no way to fix like how to referee the NBA. It's just like, it's well, just a, here's what I would do. I, I want to lean into it. I don't like how the NBA tries to pretend that it's refs or robots. We know they're not robots. I would have preferred that after the game, just as you have the press conferences for the coach, just as you have the press conferences for the player, make it a little WWE, add some characters, add some flair. You, you, you wouldn't have wanted to see Joey Crawford up there getting <laughs> questioned aggressively by reporters over a call that was controversial. I would have wanted to see that. Just make them part of the action. And then maybe mm. there can be a trust. Like, Maybe the, the NFL refs are part of the TV show, the way they go up there. Yep. Like, yeah. Count the calls. I, I think yeah. maybe also there should be some more respect for them in the way that we have respect for jurisprudence. And you go, okay, this is how this guy calls a game. And then you can be a little more accepting of the subjectivity. If and, you go, this and is the NFL style. refs have been like really much more respected after they had the ref lockout in, I don't know, like 2011 or something. Mm, and yeah. The replacement that was like a total a, a gamble. That was a gamble by some physicals right there because <laughs> they, Hey, they could have been, they could have been replaced and maybe people would have gone. We don't care. We love the NFL. We don't care how it looks, what it is. Put it on Wednesday night. We'll watch it. That could have happened, but they, those, uh, those, those refs, those physicals, they made a big bet and they won. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Good pull right there, Ryan. But uh, but anyway, right. do you have any more questions, Yu Yang? No, no, no question. I'll just end of this like that. Uh, the, the referee. It was like I think it ended it on that game with the Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay Packers at the Seahawks on the. I'm yeah. so mad about yeah. the failure. <laughs> I remember yeah, something about Golden Tate. Is that is that the correct name that I should be calling no, no, up to no, mind? It, Golden it was, Tate. It wasn't Golden Tate. It, I think he had the players involved, but basically it was like they they scored like a, a game winning touchdown, but they called it like interception. No, I think know? it was Golden. Oh, it's a reversal. It was Golden Tate. Okay. Well, now we banish you, Yang. How dare you? Okay. How dare you get that get that wrong when I had that great call to mind? Uh, my um, bad, my anyway, that's, that's they, yeah. Okay. So thank <laughs> they, thanks. Uh, great questions as always. Have a great night. <laughs> as I banish. Removing him from the queue. Um, okay, right. I thought that was a pretty good show. I don't have anything yeah. else to discuss. Do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I got a couple of things. Two wrestling things and one other. Um, I interviewed Ric Flair last week. First about like the weed line he has coming out through Mike Tyson's brand. And then today I had a story with him where he explained why he faked a heart attack in front of his daughter during his final match a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. Um, I, I interviewed Jimmy Hart today for a story that's coming out probably Friday. Um, he told me an incredible Macho Man Randy Savage story. And then I have a story coming out next week where I interviewed an offensive lineman in the NFL and his wife who has about a million followers on TikTok. Okay. Well, you've got a full slate. You make me feel like 
I've got to ramp it up. Um, I've got a, a, Hey, just my plug is check out the sub stack. There'll be cool stuff coming up on the old sub stack. Uh, Hey, Eddie, you have it. any bombshell podcast guests? When are you getting Simmons? Oh man, I would love to get Simmons. Um, I, I do not have Simmons waiting in the wings. I might not have a guest this week. I, I am booking some people, but then people move things around, and then it's you know maybe next I, I think situation. You've got to put the pressure on Simmons. That give I, the people what they want. I you would have, have you, you know, on I tomorrow. Got Costas, I, I, I got Lebetard, I got Klosterman, I got Cowherd. You're the natural <laughs> one that people want to hear from, and I, I think that he would like the opportunity to be subversive in front of a powerful audience i you know one day one day i mean hey maybe this is something that people can give us feedback on is what guests should i reach out to who should i be trying to uh who should i be trying to get i i do have some uh some ideas as to as to who but it's not always it's not always so obvious and i always i always think should i go for a non-sports person should I go outside the sports media? Uh, Rob Henderson, I think that was a very good, a very good episode recently. So um, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have good guests certainly, but I definitely have to ramp it up. And you gotta, you gotta just deal with people's schedules. It, it, it is how it is. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I would have you on tomorrow, but for I think we we would just have to have this conversation over again. It'd be, <laughs> okay. But put, put, put this in your feed. Yeah. Oh, I could put it in my feet. Could I? I don't know. Yeah, we'll think could. about it. I could. I could. Maybe. Okay. Uh, good night, everybody. Stay safe out there until next week. Bye-bye.